0: Welcome to Simplify. I'm Caitlin Schiller.
1: And I'm Ben Schumann-Stoller.
0: And today we have a special guest. Keep ben. going. You're doing <laughs> great.
1: Just take it away.
0: Ben is wearing a shirt that is the right color for the special guest.
1: Um, you wanted to say I'm wearing a green shirt because yeah. weed is green. Is that, <laughs> is that the joke?
0: That, that's the joke. I was really reaching. It's been a long that's week, good. man. It's good. It's like numerous colors of green. Why? I could lose Why? you in a legal pot farm in that shirt.
1: Why are you so interested to talk to Amanda Siebert?
0: Well, so she just released this book called The Little Book of Cannabis, How Marijuana Can Improve Your Life. I'm always interested in improving my life. I'm also interested in alternative medicines, not necessarily using cannabis as a medicine, but I'm interested in reading about all that stuff. And when I saw that her profile is that she's like the OG cannabis journalist, I was kind of fascinated by it. She carved herself a, 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 she carved herself a niche in the industry, covering cannabis as her beat before pretty much anybody else was doing it, so she's the Canadian authority on cannabis. Nice. I mean, yeah. she's
1: written for the New York Times. It's not like it's so niche anymore. I feel like cannabis now is so mainstream, especially right. with the legalization, like the unstoppable tide of legalization. What was the thing that stood out to you after? You, like now, you've talked to her a couple weeks ago. What uh, what stood out?
0: The thing that really stood out is that cannabis has been. It's been demonized for lots and lots of reasons, and the fact of the matter is, it's just a plant. It's a plant medicine that has been used for centuries to millennia, relieve, right? Millennia to relieve pain and and to help people with PTSD and anxiety, and it actually has has properties that return the body to its its healthiest equilibrium because it mimics the the body's own natural homeostasis mechanisms. So it's just in the last century, really, that it's become taboo. So that blew my mind. The fact that it's just a plant and really the last century or so has been the aberration in cannabis use rather than the norm.
1: You do want to know what blew my mind? Tell me. Infused lubes. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. That I had no idea there was, there was such a thing as... Cannabis infused lube.
0: What are you gonna do with this new? No-, no, don't tell me.
1: No, what I but I it's it's funny I guess, but it's also it's amazing how how many products there are. Yeah, I mean, this has become really an industry. So it really has. Feels like you have to pay attention to it now.
0: Right, um, cannabis oils are an amazing amazing resource for anybody who has chronic pain. Um, I have a friend who suffers from extreme back pain. And cannabis oil is the thing that's improved her life the most. It's not me, but it could be. (laughs) Cool. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, then let's roll the tape. Yeah, let's Um, do it. We'll catch everybody at the end when we'll make some actually some really cool book recommendations. So we'll catch you then.
2: Could you just introduce yourself the way that you like to be introduced? So my name is Amanda Siebert. I am a uh, author, cannabis writer, photographer, and journalist based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.
0: Cannabis journalist. That is a title that I do not hear every day. You have you You're also a cannabis book author. You are, are just releasing a book called The Little Book of Cannabis, How Marijuana Can Improve Your Life. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm super excited about it.
2: Me too. I'm, uh, Yeah, I've talked about it a little bit. And, you know, it's funny being a, being a journalist, being on the other side of the interview is always a little bit interesting, but uh, I'm game for, for, for whatever you've got. Why do you think that cannabis has such a bad rap? There's, you know, there's a lot of different factors that play into that. I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with racism. Um, if we look to the United States, after the civil war in Mexico, we saw a lot of Mexican immigrants traveling to uh, states along the border in the US. And what happened is they brought marijuana with them. And marijuana was, you know, a, a term that they used to refer to it. But when American people heard this term, they saw these people that were coming, they were unfamiliar. And so, um, you know, they they attached a lot of bias, I guess, to that. And they used that term marijuana to sort of blame these immigrants that were coming to the United States for their problems, if you will. And that's kind of why we, you know, there's, some connotations around that word marijuana and and really a lot of it too i mean if you look at the 1930s when we had harry j anslinger the the first president or leader of the dea uh, the first iteration of that organization he really had it out for cannabis because he had you know a lot of wealthy friends that were invested in things like prescription medication and cotton and um You know the oil industry, and these were all things that were being threatened um, by hemp, the hemp industry, and so that's kind of why we don't really have a a very robust um, hemp industry in North America. Uh, Really, all the things that we use, uh, plastic, oil, um, these sorts of things, for could they could be uh, replaced with hemp, and so um, that had a lot to do with it as well. Um, I'm sure I could go on. There's really a lot that plays into the stigma, but nowadays, you know, we see the results of that of that demonization
0: mm-hmm, um, you know, there are just there are a lot of three letter acronyms that are are associated with the cannabis that I think also might add to some of the the unknowns about it. Um, could you take us through the difference between cBD? THC and this fantastic thing that I didn't know anything about until reading your book called the ECS,
2: the endogenous cannabinoid system? The endocannabinoid system, for sure. So your body has this system called the endocannabinoid system. And this was actually discovered after THC was discovered. So um, there's this uh, brilliant scientist, Dr. Raphael Mashulam, who discovered THC. Later on, he discovered CBD. Um, And he basically, he went on this search to find out, you know, what happens to THC and CBD in the body. And the long and short of it is he discovered this system of receptors that exist within the body. And so the endocannabinoid system is the system that works to regulate all the other systems in the body. So things like appetite, things like sleep, things like mood. And and what happens is, you know, Let's, let's bring it back, I guess, to this word endocannabinoid. So um, the root of that word endo comes from, you know, endogenous. It means within the body. So our bodies actually produce their own cannabinoids, if you will. I'm using air quotes that sort of um, they work to return the body to homeostasis. Could you could you just explain
0: homeostasis? We also have some listeners who aren't English native speakers, so it might be helpful.
2: Okay, for sure. Um, So homeostasis is just the idea that, you know, returning your body to uh, I don't want to use the word normal, but to sort of it's um, it's most functional kind of regular state, if you will. And so these cannabinoids that exist within the body, they're called anandamide and 2-AG. THC and CBD actually sort of mimic them. So THC works with receptors in the body. It actually binds directly to them. Um, CBD, this other cannabinoid, one of two sort of probably the most popular cannabinoids that we hear Um and cannabinoids, I guess, are these uh, chemical compounds in cannabis. They really um, are responsible for a lot of the therapeutic benefits that we get with cannabis, um, along with terpenes, these aromatic compounds. They all sort of work um, in synergy to to yeah help us kind of regulate the the different systems in our body. Does that sort of make sense?
0: Yeah, actually, I think that was a really good primer. Thank you for that. And with that, I'd like to get into well, your book is is broken into I think it's eight chapters or eight sections basically on different areas of of one's life with which Cannabis can can help, or how cannabis can can benefit a person. And one of them, let's start with the the simplest one that pretty much everybody can relate to. One of them is sleep. Could you tell me a little bit about how cannabis
2: affects sleep or could improve sleep? Of course. Um, so with my own cannabis use, I think sleep is a huge huge thing for me. You know, and I'm I know it is for a lot of people too. It's actually um, you know, when pulled, uh, cannabis users, one of the top reasons that they choose to use cannabis, whether, you know, they're recreational or medicinal users, one of the biggest things they find is they sleep better when they're using cannabis. Um, and, you know, um, there are definitely some some scientists that will debate with this idea. They'll say, oh, you know, it, it actually interrupts your sleep. But, um, you know, you, when we look at the evidence or the, the number of individuals that are coming back with this, um, with, you know... With this finding, um, I think it's definitely something we need to consider. So, what I did um, when writing this book, I spoke with an expert who sort of broke it down to me in terms of stages of sleep, um, and what happens with cannabis is essentially this: um, the sleep latency or the time it takes you to fall asleep can be shortened when you're consuming cannabis um, and then depending on you know your sleep patterns you could you might also find that cannabis can extend the length of time that you spend in what is the third stage of sleep um, which I think it's it's REM and isn't there NREM or shortwave sleep yes those are the ones mm-hmm. so the the um, the third stage would be the one that is benefited the most. By, by cannabis consumption. Um,
0: are there are there some kinds of, of cannabis that are
2: more suitable to someone who is looking to improve their quality of sleep than others? Definitely. Um, what you'll hear in many dispensaries, and it's kind of an industry norm, even though it is sort of hotly debated right now, is this idea that strains that come from this indica species of cannabis, I'm using air quotes there again, are sort of more beneficial for people who are looking to, um, get better sleep or to relax because, um, it's sort of, it sort of facilitates that it's more sedative. Um, and you know, it's interesting because the, the, The genetic difference between sativa and indica, these are two terms you may have heard to refer to two different uh, species of cannabis. There's not actually anything, you know, vastly different about them, except for maybe the way that they appear um, in their growing stages. You know, a sativa plant is tall, it has, um, you know, skinny leaves, um, whereas an indica plant will grow more short and stout, um, you know, broader leaves things like that. We see these sorts of differences, but actually the difference between them is, is, is quite minimal. It really comes down to the compounds in the plant, you know, its its uh, amount of, of THC, of CBD, and also of these other compounds in cannabis called terpenes, which play a much larger role in the effect of cannabis use than um, we thought before. So um, terpenes are these sort of aromatic compounds in cannabis that give it their smell. Um, you know, some Sometimes you smell... Um a variety of cannabis and it's got this really gassy diesel smell. Other times it's kind of um, fresh and fruity and lemony. Um, so these smells all come from uh, this these uh, compounds called terpenes. And the idea is that rather than this whole indica sativa denomination or, or what have you, um, rather than paying attention to that, it would benefit consumers more to pay attention to terpenes and things like that. So myrcene um, is actually a terpene that uh, is thought to be responsible for this couch lock feeling or this um, this uh, tiredness. You know, anything high in morphine essentially w- would promote that sedative effect. Huh, that is really interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than uh, than sometimes it seems.
0: Yeah. So, so sleep is something that most people can relate to. Um, another thing that most people can relate to, I think, is is this idea of of weight maintenance and exercise. This completely shocked me because what you usually hear about cannabis use is that it gives you the munchies, you're going to gain weight, you're going to be a, you know a chubby, tired stoner who has couch lock, which is a term I'd never heard until just now and you used it, and I love it. Um, But you have a story. You did a bunch of case studies in the book. There's one for every single chapter. You spoke with a pro snowboarder called Ross, I think it's Ross Ribigliati, who'd really just had some amazing results. Can you talk about that a little bit and how cannabis uh,
2: can factor into weight maintenance and, and exercise? Absolutely. So Ross Regliati, in um, 1998 at the Olympics in Nagano, Japan, he won the gold medal for snowboarding. And then later on, it was taken away um, when it was found that he had THC in his system. Um, Eventually, it was given back to him. And, you know, the amount of THC that you could have in your system as an Olympic athlete was raised. Um, But yes, so he was sort of the catalyst for this idea that cannabis can actually, you know, have some benefit for athletes. Athletes. And when I interviewed him for the book, he was sort of talking to me about this idea that when he was uh, training before the Olympics, he would get up really early with a bunch of his teammates. They'd be up at 5 a.m. and the first ones on the mountain getting, you know, the best runs in, and they would have coffee and toast and cannabis every morning, and they would, um, you know, take. Um, breaks here and there, and and fuel up, and and um, smoke another joint, and uh, the way he described it to me, I just couldn't help from grinning. Like the entire interview, he was talking about how, um, you know, just being in contact and with some of the best athletes in the world who were at the peak of their game, and most of them were using cannabis. So, yeah, in this uh, case study, he sort of explained to me that he still uses it rather consistently. You know, he's not snowboarding uh, as a pro athlete anymore, but he does a lot of cycling. And you know, by by using a little bit every day, he's found that he's been able to keep his um, weight steady. So he's actually, I think, within four or five pounds of his weight at uh, the Olympics 20 years ago. Um, he's able to uh, recover from injury quickly with um, topicals and and different products that have THC, obviously, and CBD in them for uh, for that pain relief. Um, so yeah, it was just really interesting to hear from an athlete's perspective how how cannabis can sort of provide that benefit.
0: Yeah, I was I was actually I was so shocked and and kind of heartened by it. Heartened actually really because even before I got to the chapters on aging, I was like, wow, this must must have implications for things like rheumatoid arthritis
2: and continuous pain that old people are in. Could you talk about that a little bit? Pain management is probably one of the most talked about reasons that, that an individual might use cannabis. And really, it's it's funny. When I spoke with um, Dr. Mark Ware, he's the expert I spoke with in the book on pain management, and he works out in uh, Montreal in Quebec, and he said that most of the patients that he's worked with um, that suffer from chronic pain, the way they describe cannabis is as something that not necessarily takes the pain away from them but it takes them away from the pain. So people always ask this question of, you know, oh but does cannabis use, you know, does cannabis really take someone's pain away? And really it has more to do with um, the effect of cannabis on uh, on the mind and how we perceive pain. At least that's the way that Dr. Ware um, explained it to me and I found this to be quite fascinating um, that even though it may not be affecting the pain directly, by by his account patients found cannabis to be more effective than other drugs or prescriptions that left them, you know, unable to to do as much, you know, they were sort of dealing with more side effects from that that medication. And so just speaking to the safety profile of the medicine and, you know, really of how how people were able to function with their chronic pain conditions more effectively when they were using cannabis than when they were using other other medication.
0: Hmm. But why exactly is cannabis so
2: helpful with pain management? It's it's the it's THC that is the the cannabinoid. Um, I think you you just sort of said it. I mean, THC is this um, cannabinoid within cannabis that uh, really holds a lot of these analgesic properties. So, um, working to quell pain, things like that. I know that um, if you have a chronic pain condition, um, you know that neuropathic pain. Um, There are several studies that have found that, you know, cannabis um, can be beneficial for that. But also, you know, on a a smaller scale, um, if you have tennis elbow or uh, an injury that is perhaps not so long-term, things like infused topicals, so really just a cream with THC in it, um, can work wonders. And also a great place to start for for someone who um, may still have a little bit of that fear around smoking or even vaporizing.
0: With Amanda Siebert, we are learning that cannabis is really just a plant. It's a plant that's been around, and human beings have been using medicinally for bajillions of years. And it's really just recently that our relationship to it has shifted. You know what else has been around for bajillions of years? Books. And our relationship has changed there, too. Now there is way less time to read, or figure out what you want to read next, than there was a bajillion years ago. And that is why there's Blinkist. Blinkist. So Blinkist gives you a sneak peek into a whole world of great nonfiction books, so it's a busy reader's secret weapon. And it's also the aspirational reader's best friend because it transforms the key ideas from those great nonfiction books that you wish you had time for. Everything from the latest Doris Kearns Goodwin bio to stuff by Dawkins to the Malcolm Gladwell bestsellers into these powerful little packs of text or audio. All of these insight packs are put together by real readers, real people like me and Ben, who pull out the highlights. So digesting these key ideas will take you only like 15 minutes. And those 15 minutes might just be so good that you change your relationship to books and start reading more. As with most things, dear listener, it is better if you just try it out for yourself. So go to Blinkist.com slash friends and you can try it for free for 14 days by using the code cannabis. That's C A N N A B I S. Yeah, so try Blinkist. Let me know what you thought of it. I really hope you love it. Okay, now back to my talk with Amanda Zebert. This feels like a good a time as any to to talk about the different ways of, of taking or using cannabis. What are what are the primary ways that people use and what are some of the things that they're good for?
2: Hmm. Um, so, obviously, I guess the biggest. I guess way to consume cannabis would be smoking. Um, we see this, you know, in, in media and things like that. Um, and the reason um, smoking, you know, is is still popular, and I think will never not be popular, um, is because it's a fast uh, delivery method. So, um, let's say, you know, on the medical side, if you suffer from cluster headaches or um, something that requires a quick onset of relief, um, smoking does provide that. Um, as I said before, you know it's definitely I think a reason that some people are afraid to consume cannabis because they associate it with um, smoking cigarettes. But then you know we see other modalities being introduced like vaporization. So vaporizing cannabis again, you're you're inhaling vapor uh, whether you're using you know a handheld vaporizer, um, a desktop vaporizer, and this is thought to be um, less carcinogenic than smoking cannabis in a joint or in a bong or or a pipe um, those are sort of two ways I guess you know that would be the inhalation side of things Um, and then we move on to ingestion and so edibles are a huge thing right now I know um, in the United States and Canada unfortunately they're not going to be regulated until 2019 but edibles are definitely uh, an important modality because you know while the onset it takes a little bit longer for the um, chemical compounds in cannabis to kick in when you ingest because it has to go through your digestive system um, the effect also last longer. So it might take you 45 minutes to an hour to feel the effects of an edible, but you're probably going to feel those effects when they do kick in for two, three, four hours. Um, For some people it can last up to eight. Some people even longer. I don't want to say, you know, that's the thing about cannabis. There's no absolutes. Um, it affects everyone in a different way. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a very uh, interesting substance to work with. Um, so um, ingestion, of course, edibles, that would be through, you know, if you're making your own edibles, you're cooking um can of butter, or if you're taking, um, I know in some parts of the world you can get capsules and oils that are infused, Um, definitely a few different ways to ingest, Um, and then we've got, you know, topicals, which can be applied to the skin, Um, and that's everything from, you know, infused lubes, (laughs) there's a chapter on sex in the book as well, Um, to to lotion and um, face cream and, and things like that.
0: Topicals are a thing that I just I hadn't ever really thought about very much until I read your book. But you you said that they're a good place to start for people who might feel a little more hesitation about using any kind of cannabis product. They're a good beginners beginners way to try it. And you just mentioned cannabis infused lube, um, which led you to to mention your section about sex. How exactly does cannabis or can cannabis affect someone's sex life?
2: So cannabis has actually been used as an aphrodisiac for many, 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 many years, and it's it's you know it doesn't get a lot of attention, but we're seeing um, more and more of it. Um, the woman I spoke with in the book, her name is Ashley Manta, um, and she runs this. Um, Kind of school, if you will. Um, these workshops in California, and she ha- has this brand called um, Cannabisexual, and it's the idea that people can use cannabis in conjunction with sex to to improve their sex lives, and that can you know include everything from, like I said, using an in infused um, lube to you know consuming a uh, particular strain before um, getting intimate with your partner. To even, um, you know, using an infused product solo. Um, there's definitely lots of different things to, to be explored in that realm. And um, I think uh, it's definitely um, an area that we, we shouldn't or we should consider for sure. Um, I le- you know, historically, it's, it's been a very big one um, for humans to, to use cannabis in conjunction with sex. So I thought that would be a, a fun one to explore. Yeah. But what does it exactly
0: do? What are, what are the, positive, the positive, I don't know, effects of using cannabis before sex? Is it that it calms the mind down? So it's similar to how anxiety sufferers might benefit from cannabis or is it something else?
2: you know, for a lot of people, sex creates anxiety. It can be really uncomfortable um, for people that suffer from trauma, particularly, you know, if they have uh reoccurring pain, um, cannabis can sort of help take your mind away from, from those things ca- can help you or help keep you um, in the present. Um, you know, another woman I spoke with in the book, um, Lisa Kirkman, she You know, in her experience, um, cannabis allowed her to um, get more in touch with her own needs, but also with her partner's needs. Um, And so definitely um, a combination of both, I want to say, on the mental and the physical side. Hmm.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you wrote a book about
0: how pot can benefit, pot, cannabis can benefit a person's life. Mm -hmm. Are there any dangers at all that you think about? Are there any hesitations that you have when you talk about cannabis as a good thing? Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, I think, um, like everything, we need to consider that, you know, uh, it's not for everyone, you know. Um, I think it's interesting, though, to consider... how people experience cannabis for the first time. A lot of the times, um, the story that we hear from someone who had a negative experience with cannabis, um, for example, maybe, maybe someone in my parents' generation, someone in their, their 60s uh, or 70s, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, I tried that once when I was a kid and and I had a terrible time. And then you Dig a little bit deeper, and you find out, you know, that they were at a party with lots of unfamiliar people, and there was lots of alcohol involved, and and there were fights breaking out. And so, um, you you have to ask, you know, is it really the cannabis, <laughs> or is it those other factors that are involved in that story? So, while I definitely agree that, you know. Um, you know, I'm. I'm not here to push cannabis onto anyone. I think if, if you have decided that it's not for you, then it's not for you. But I also feel like, um, it's a, it's a substance. I hate using that word. It's a plant <laughs> that we've been using, um, for 12,000 years. And so to just, um, negate all the therapeutic benefits because we've been, you know, fed this propaganda for the last hundred years I think isn't necessarily fair I I just want to be able to give people both um, sides of of the of the story okay something
0: that I really like to ask my interviewees is what do people worry about so what do people worry about with regards to cannabis use that they really just don't have to in your opinion
2: um I mean in Canada there's this feeling right now that I've said it before that the sky is going to fall when cannabis is legalized. Um, you know, that there's going to be lots of accidents, the results of impaired driving, and, um, that people are, you know, I mean, I'm sure that some people have this fear that, modern society as we know it is gonna crumble and and um we're all just gonna turn into a bunch of lazy stoners and uh I think that's definitely short sighted. I think if people were aware of the number of individuals um in their communities already using cannabis, they would be surprised. It's definitely um culturally an important substance um in Canada and especially in Vancouver. And so I think moving forward, um Canadians and other people in the world are gonna slowly kind of see that consuming this plant doesn't make you, you know, um, not everyone fits the sort of Cheech and Chong stereotype, you know, there are there are plenty, of, and I know many of them, plenty of individuals who are running companies, who are entrepreneurs, lots of very, very successful people in Vancouver and beyond that are using cannabis daily, like all day long, <laughs> and they're, you know, at the top of their game. So, yeah, I think I think that's really going to be a, a big surprise for people that... Um, that not a lot is going to change, I think. I think um we'll we'll see this industry, you know, building. I think eventually, you know, rules and laws might be might be adjusted to to account for the fact that we don't need to be so terrified. <laughs> um, yeah, I think ultimately people are going to realize that it's not as scary as we imagine it to be.
0: Amanda, if you could leave people with one central idea about cannabis, if there's one thing you really would like more people to know, what would that be? Absolutely. This
2: is a Great question. And I have, um, one thing that I always like to say if I just have like a minute of time, um, with someone. The thought is this. Um, we have been using cannabis for 12,000 years and really the last century is the aberration. Um, this, this fear that we've created around it, um, it's only about a hundred years old. Um, and so just to imagine that this is really the little blip on the radar, um, and that, um, you know, I think very soon, you know, after uh, Canada has legalized cannabis, we're going to see other countries sort of come on board to this idea um, that, it, that it can um, be legalized. Yeah, that we can return to, to using it in a way that is um, can have, uh, that can have therapeutic benefits. That just blew my mind. <laughs> Awesome.
0: <laughs> That's cool. All right. One last thing. This is um, Simplify is made by Blinkist, which is a company that that deals with nonfiction books. What is, what's something that you've read recently that you've enjoyed? It doesn't necessarily have to be nonfiction. I just like to hear what people are reading, really.
2: Um, I am reading this uh, wonderful book. It's actually written by a friend of mine named Travis Lupik. It's called Fighting for Space. It's about this community in Vancouver called the Downtown Eastside um, and how this community that really faces a lot of struggle when it comes to... Um, to, you know, addiction, um, how they sort of come together um, in the face of this opioid crisis. And really before that as well, it's really a wonderful book. It's a very detailed account of um, how Vancouver has sort of put itself on the map um, in terms of harm reduction. Very, very good read for sure.
0: Wow, interesting. All right, well, Amanda, that is it for me. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. It was really pleasant and illuminating to talk with you. And thanks for your book too. It's, um... It's just been full of, of surprising and really useful information.
2: Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to chat with you about it. And um, yeah, I hope that people who read it take away a, a, new, a new idea about cannabis and maybe they shed their, their old mindset about cannabis.
1: Welcome to the bookend. Where we end with books. Welcome right. back. Yeah. Thanks. but I will have probably appeared previously in the season.
0: I was welcoming the audience back.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, I'm not high. Neither am I. And we should talk about all the benefits of being high, though, and what you guys talked about a little bit. I mean, what do you remember from the interview?
0: Well, what I really remembered from – what I think the thing that that I'd say surprised me in addition to what I mentioned at the top of the show is um, that athletes – really stand by using cannabis, not not just to, you know, not just to get high, but also to fall asleep at night and get a restful night's sleep for the sport that they do in the morning. It's a way for them to relax and unwind with friends um, and maybe ingest some sort of substance that allows them to do that to a higher degree without having the negative effects of alcohol, which are dehydration, you feel terrible in the morning. Um, yeah, I also was totally shocked that, Cannabis can actually actually help with weight maintenance mm-hmm. because, like, I mean,
1: you're like Oreos,
0: exactly <laughs> is what, you, what you were thinking. <laughs> Oreos is a pretty much exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was really surprising to me and interesting. What what did you what stuck out to you?
1: Um, I mean, alcohol sucks. I think is interesting, and it's kind of the drug that has main found its way in the middle of our culture. More than cannabis. Why do you I, think? Why is that? I don't know. I mean, it's probably I don't know, but it's I have some ideas, but I don't know if they make they're not fleshed out enough to include here. Hmm. Um, another thing I think is you know smoking is tough mm-hmm. and smelly, and I I think that we're going to see cannabis. I think she makes a really good point that once smoking is sort of removed from how we think of cannabis, mm-hmm. um, we could see a growth there, or we might get to experience more of its benefits. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And the last thing is. You know Reefer Madness that like that memeable movie from the 30s about the terrors of Reefer? I actually
0: have never seen it.
1: Um I I I've, I've, I think that Yeah, I just think we've been bombarded by campaigns and maybe false notions about what cannabis is. And uh, so that's what I'll remember from this interview. That yeah. cannabis is, you know, probably not as evil as we were brought up to believe it is.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Those dare commercials Yeah. They're enough to strike fear into the hearts of pretty much anybody living and walking and breathing who wants to continue doing that.
1: Yeah. So should we get into the books?
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. So my first recommendation has really nothing explicitly to do with cannabis. It's called Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. This book might be one that we've talked about before on, a don't know, maybe season one of Simplify, but it's a really cool book because it's all about the daily routines of philosophers, artists, musicians, inventors. Um, It's got Jane Austen's work habits in there, Beethoven's weird coffee routine. Um, And then there's also, of course, some talk about the kinds of substances these people used to enhance their artistic states or to relax and unwind, sometimes in a healthy way, sometimes in a not healthy way. But it was just I think it's an interesting read um, to hear about how how normalized use of certain substances, even like opium, how normal that Mm -hmm. was in the UK until it got negatively associated with Chinese immigrants um how normal using stuff in order to get your your work done actually was i'm not condoning that by the way and it blink we don't condone it but i just think it's an interesting thought experiment to see how opinions on on using substances has changed over the years so yeah daily rituals by mason curry it's pretty cool
1: nice yeah um One that I have is The Botany of Desire by Michael Pollan. Meow. By famous, awesome dude, Michael Pollan.
0: Tell me more.
1: Well, you know how I like a good cultural history.
0: I do. (laughs) And Michael Pollan.
1: And Michael Pollan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's basically a a history of four plants. The potato, the tulip, the apple, and cannabis. Oh. And, you know, like an interesting part of the book regarding cannabis. So, like, the, the part about the apple talks about Johnny Appleseed. But the part about cannabis, it's interesting it's like since the Garden of Eden, the humans have been drawn by this desire to do what's not allowed and be intoxicated somehow. This this thing Are you talking the snake. about the apple? Yeah.
0: Intoxicated with knowledge? Yeah. Ooh.
1: Promised something. It promised some alternate reality. Some that's sub, some way. abuse. That's an interesting I mean, way to put well, it. Not abuse, but some um, some some something that's not who you are. Or not who you think you are.
0: Or something that will present a change in your reality. I think alternate reality is a great way to put yeah. it. It's, yeah, something something different. Something that you ingest that can change the way you experience the world.
1: Right. And even kids like to spin around until they get so dizzy. <laughs> that they can't, which is so weird. It's, it's like harmful, but it's really fun. And then they might be like, oh, I'll never do that again. And then their friends are doing it a week later. And they'll be like, all right, I'll do it one more time. And do then... you remember
0: the PSA against spinning around in circles? No. Really? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> the dare commercial? <laughs> Yeah, so that's mine. The Botany of Desire by Michael Pollan.
0: Cool. Great. I haven't read it yet. I'd like to, though. It's a great title.
1: Do you have another one?
0: I do. I have one last one. Um, This is also about a substance um, used in a medicinal way. And um, another Simplify guest. Her name is Ayelet Waldman, and her book is called A Really Good Day and it has this incredibly long subtitle that I've forgotten and did not write down, but it's basically about how microdosing improved, microdosing LSD improved her marriage, her work, and her health and her general life overall. It's this fascinating combination daily microdosing diary and the history of LSD, why it's been so taboo, um, the main players behind it. Um, I found it to be a really fascinating read Ayelet refers to it as the book that LSD wrote because nice. she did a lot of her writing when she was microdosing. It made her super productive, able to focus. It made her more emotionally stable. And it also helped her make connections between the things she was researching and experiencing in a way that she said she never would have done if she hadn't microdosed. Cool. So it's really fascinating. And, and she's a great writer. So I'd, I'd really encourage you to check it out and listen to her Simplify interview also yeah. in this season.
1: Nice. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, cool, Rex.
0: Yeah, you do. Botany of Desire. Botany of Desire. Awesome.
1: Today's episode of Simplify was produced by me, Benjamin Solar, Caitlin Schiller, Nat Doroshkina, and Ben Jackson. Uh, the last time I talked to Ben Jackson, he wanted us to let you know that he was not the one who left the studio speakers blasting opera music <laughs> with the door open.
0: <laughs> I have ideas about who it might have been.
1: Wasn't no that. comment. Okay.
0: okay all right cool um well if you enjoyed this episode of simplify send it to somebody you like that would be great you can find us on apple Podcasts. you can find us everywhere you know that already um if you want to talk to us which we love you can email us at podcast at blinkist.com i'm on twitter at caitlin schiller and ben how do people find you
1: uh yeah on twitter at B-S-T-O, bsto
0: rad okay one last time simplify is brought to you by blinkist ben and i both work there blinkist is an app what does blinkist do ben
1: Blinkist is an app that brings you the key insights from the world's best nonfiction in 15 minutes or less. Oh that yes! You can read or listen to.
0: I love hearing you read my words. <laughs> <laughs> you memorize them. Ben did that without looking at anything. It's That's great. Right.
1: Easy mm-hmm. peasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to try Blinkist out for free, we set up a voucher code. Go to blinkist.com/simplify and put in the voucher code reefer, R-E-E-F-E-R, and you can try it out. Otherwise, that wraps it up for today. So, see you guys next week. This is Ben checking out
0: and Caitlin checking out.